Our first term that we want to introduce in the banking unit right away is the term debit. That's debit, D-E-B-I-T. Many students on test often confuse the word debit with the word debt. Debt would imply that you don't have money, whereas a debit is implying that you are reducing the value of a checking or savings account uh, down closer to zero because of an expense that you recently made. So when we refer to debit, we're talking about taking money out of a checking or savings account. Anytime you write a check, you are debiting money from your account. Anytime you use an ATM, you pay for money using the Venmo app, or maybe it's with Google uh, Wallet or with Apple Pay. Uh, those are examples of debiting. You can even go into a bank and withdraw money, and that would be a debit. So just keep in mind the term debit means to reduce the value of a checking account because of an expense or withdrawal. Now, when you get a checking account at a bank, they will give you something uh, referred to as a debit card. A debit card gives you the ability to make purchases uh, at stores, and they use the money from your checking account. Now, debit cards, there's a couple different types. Some of them will say ATM card on them, which means that the card can only be used at your bank or with your bank's ATM. Then there's a debit card that may have a Visa or MasterCard logo in the bottom right-hand corner of the card. And that means that your debit card will be broadly accepted at a majority of retail stores throughout the United States. The way those cards work is that the Visa or MasterCard company will act as an intermediary between you and your bank. They will give the store their money immediately and then request for repayment from your checking account. Again, a little bit technical, but just know that if your debit card has the Visa or MasterCard logo on it, it is much more widely accepted than a debit card that just says it's an ATM card. The second term in checking and savings and just in general accounting is the term credit. Now, right away, many of my students, and maybe you included, you hear the term credit and it's hard to not associate it with the scary credit card. In this unit, we are not talking about the credit card at all. We'll save that for the credit unit. In credit in accounting terms and with our checking and savings account is talking about adding money to your account. To credit one's account means to deposit money or to increase the value of that checking or savings account. This happens anytime you deposit money into your account. So you can deposit your money into your account by using a drive-through at the bank, using an ATM machine and putting money or a check into a envelope and using the ATM machine. Uh, if you were to receive a text message of cash, which we can do today with Apple devices, so you can text your friend using Apple Wallet, 20 bucks, that itself would be a credit if you're on the receiving end. Uh, Venmo and PayPal and the number of online services goes on and on. So the term credit means that you yourself are receiving money and the value of your checking or savings account is going up in value. Okay, this leads our discussion to the question, why have a checking account? Well, checking accounts were largely a place for folks to save their money safely and then not have to leave cash at home in a jar. Uh, checking accounts allow individuals to withdraw money at the bank and get cash in wallet or purse. Uh, it also allows us to write paper checks while we're out in public. So students will say to me today, Mr. Young, you know, my parents don't write checks very often. I never write a check. Why even have a checking account? And that's a great question. 
maybe banks for marketing purposes need to consider renaming checking accounts to something different, especially as we go into future generations that are unlikely to even write checks. But they still happen, and there are certain, certain times where uh, checks are required or necessary. But let's give you some examples for right now. Checking accounts, whether we're paying with a check or not, allow us to pay our bills. In this unit, you will do an online simulation that will allow you to pay bills using an online banking website, also known as online bill pay. Uh, in order to be able to pay your bills electronically, whether it's on a computer or a laptop or even on your phone or tablet, you have to have one of those old-fashioned checking accounts. Uh, one of the other reasons is that it provides us some options. For instance, maybe we're going to go buy something from an individual. It could be maybe a used car off a of Craigslist. And you have not exactly sure how much money they're going to charge you for that car. Um, so you bring a checkbook with you. And assuming that they feel confident taking a personal check, which is you know, a whole other topic in itself, uh, the checkbook would allow you to choose any value to provide to the person you're paying, right? You bring maybe $5,000 cash and the car is six grand uh, in value. You don't really have another way to produce more cash unless you go back to an ATM. Whereas if you had a check with you, you could change the value by just writing a new check for the new amount. So checks do give us some options to pay for things when we don't know the value in advance. Now, I will admit uh, in this day and age that you, know, you can do the same thing with the debit card. You can do the same thing uh, even with the dreaded credit card. Uh, the difference being with those is that still not everybody is able to accept digital payments. We're getting closer and closer to the point where that's the case, but maybe we go to you know, Webster Art and Airfare and you want a painting and they take checks and you don't have cash with you, what are you going to do? So it does give us uh, just one more option if we don't have the exact value of cash with us. Uh, also, they're quite a bit safer, right? If you lose three, $400, uh, that's going to be a big deal in most people's worlds, right? Whereas if we lose a check, we can call the bank and say, hey, this check no longer has value. I want it to be void and no value. And if someone tries to write the check and cash it, please stop payment on it. Uh, so they are generally safer than carrying cash. You know, so the question is, are they outdated? Um, maybe the checks themselves, the paper checks are getting more and more outdated, but having a checking account is certainly not outdated because we need a checking account in order to be able to use all of the many amazing digital services such as online bill pay, uh, using mobile apps with our bank account and being able to pay for things electronically. That is still all tied to the old-fashioned checking account. All right, at this point in our podcast, you need to have a check in front of you, right? This is a podcast, so I can't visually present a check to you. So whether you, you, know, you borrow one from a parent just to look at or even safer, just go to Google, look up personal check, have one in front of you so that the, the next points I make, uh, you'll be able to relate to them, them to something visual. So we're going to uh, go around the check and point out uh, points of interest and uh, you know, give you a better idea as to what they are so that when you're practicing filling out checks, you're familiar with the parts. We'll start off with the check number. The check number is in the upper right-hand corner of a check, and the check number is unique to really you only. Um, for example, everybody's checking account generally starts off with either check number 100 or check number 101 as a new checking account holder. That does not mean you're the only one in the world with check number 100 or 101. 
what that means is that that's the first check that you're writing from your account. When you order checks, they'll send them to you, uh, you know, in a box in the mail, and each check book may have 100 checks attached to it. So the checks go up sequentially, one number at a time. So check 101, and behind that would be 102, and behind 102 would be check 103. They're only unique to your account. They're not unique worldwide. So they are for record-keeping purposes. It's a way for us to check to see whether or not one of our checks is still outstanding, meaning someone hasn't cashed it yet. If we had a question about a check, it's a way that we can talk to the bank and specifically identify a unique check that you're uh, questioning about. Um, one last point about the check number. It is still uh, an issue today at many retail stores to uh, reject checks that are of a low check number. Now, this is something that I confronted a lot when I worked in retail, and that is many stores are hesitant to take checks in general, and that's because a check is not the same as cash. A check is not really that much better than an IOU written by your friend on paper. Yes, it's a legal document. Yes, it has contact information on it, but really it's not of value unless your bank is able to get the money from the writer of the check and transfer it to your account. So the check number itself or the check itself can actually be something that stores say, listen, we're not comfortable taking checks. It's not the same as cash. No one's paying us immediately. And maybe if they've gotten burned in the past and had checks get rejected, uh, or bounce, then they may say, listen, we don't take checks at all. So my point here is that many retail stores uh, will reject checks, not because of financial reasons, not because they don't think that you have the money in your account, but because the low check number speaks to them, uh, the fact that you may not have money in your account. It may be a new checking account. And so new checking accounts often get kind of stereotyped as someone maybe just starting out not having a whole lot of money. So just keep that in mind uh, when you write some of your first checks in the beginning of with the checking account that some retail stores may uh, reject the check and request that you pay with a Visa or MasterCard or with an ATM card instead. Now, part three of the check is located in the upper right-hand corner of the check just to the left of the check number, and this is where the date is recorded. The date needs to be the current date of the, when the check was written. Now, there is the ability to post-date a check, um, and that means you write a future date, but that's something that you really need to get permission from the person that you're writing the check. So in general, check dates when you write the check should be the current date, and that's significant because checks generally expire in most banks six months after the check was written. So if you leave a date off, the check's not even valid because you can't even determine when the check expires. Um, and individuals have a reason, reasonable right to request that folks don't cash checks months and years later. So you need to make sure the date is the current date on the check. Um, Post-dating a check, writing a future date, that delays someone the ability to be able to cash a check. A bank will not cash a check unless the date on the check is today's date or a past date. So if you were to write a future date, that person who received your check would have to wait until at least the date on the check in order to cash it. And that can be problematic for the recipient. Uh, also on the date, there are a couple of ways you can write the date on the check. You can write month, day, year with numbers. So if we're talking about November 4th, 2019, we might write 11 slash four slash 19. Many students write that on papers in school. 
The only issue with that is dealing with folks maybe from another country or internationally that may get confused about what the date is. Uh, the United States is one of the very few countries in the world that writes its date in the format of month, day, year. Many countries, particularly in uh, Europe, they write the day of the, of, of the month first and then the month second and then the year third. So it'd be day, month, year. Uh, so what is recommended to prevent any kind of confusion is to uh, write out the month or abbreviate it. So if it's November, we could write NOV period. And then the day of the of the month, so like the fourth or four comma, and then the year. So it could be NOV period four comma two zero one nine for 2019. Okay, again, most banks will not honor a check after six months. Uh, they will deem the check as as being expired and the thinking that that's a little bit unreasonable for you to cash a check that was given to you that long ago and a person maybe have completely forgotten about it. Now, part three of the check is located in the upper right-hand corner of the check, just to the left of the check number, and this is where the date is recorded. The date needs to be the current date of the, when the check was written. Now, there is the ability to post-date a check, um, and that means you write a future date, but that's something that you really need to get permission from the person that you're writing the check. So in general, check dates when you write the check should be the current date. And that's significant because checks generally expire in most banks six months after the check was written. So if you leave a date off, the check's not even valid because you can't even determine when the check expires. Um, and individuals have a reason reasonable right to request that folks don't cash checks months and years later. So you need to make sure the date is the current date on the check. Um, Post-dating a check, writing a future date, that delays someone the ability to be able to cash a check. A bank will not cash a check unless the date on the check is today's date or a past date. So if you were to write a future date, that person who received your check would have to wait until at least the date on the check in order to cash it. And that can be problematic for the recipient. Uh, also on the date, there are a couple of ways you can write the date on the check. You can write month, day, year with numbers. So if we're talking about November 4th, 2019, we might write 11 slash 4 slash 19. Uh, many students write that on papers in school. The only issue with that is dealing with folks maybe from another country or internationally that may get confused about what the date is. Uh, the United States is one of the very few countries in the world that writes its date in the format of month, day, year. Many countries, particularly in uh, Europe, they write the day of the, of, of the month first and then the month second and then the year third. So it'd be day, month, year. Uh, so what is recommended to prevent any kind of confusion is to uh, write out the month or abbreviate it. So if it's November, we could write NOV period. And then the day of the of the month, so like the fourth or four comma, and then the year. So it could be NOV period four comma two zero one nine for 2019. Okay, again, most banks will not honor a check after six months. Uh, they will deem the check as as being expired, and they're thinking that that's a little bit unreasonable for you to cash a check that was given to you that long ago, and a person maybe have completely forgotten about it. On the right side of the check below the date, uh, there may be a rectangle or there may just be a dollar symbol sitting off on its own. And this is where we write the numeric amount of the payment. So how much is the check going to be worth? 
Uh, is it $25.38? Is it $2,000? You need to write that out in dollar uh, whole numbers for the next to the dollar symbol. So a couple of ways of thinking about this. Uh, many of my students like to write all the numbers, dollars and cents, as large numbers, separating the dollars and cents with a period. And that is completely valid. Uh, it's a completely legal uh, method for writing the amount on the check. The downside to writing all of the numbers, dollars and cents as large numbers is that that period can be manipulated and changed into a comma and the check value can be increased by someone that may want to commit check fraud using one of your checks. So what is recommended is that the cents portion of the amount the check is worth be written as if it's an exponent or a superscript with a little line underneath it. So if you think like, you know, the um, two squared, right? You get the large two and then the little two up at the top. Um, that's what we're talking about doing. So maybe it's $20.50. So I have a, a large two zero and then I write five zeros small up next to the top of the zero and 20 and put a line underneath it. So uh, that part of the check, oftentimes there's a rectangle on checks for the numbers to stick uh, to stay in, or there could just be a dollar symbol. This is where we write the numeric amount of the check. Okay, we are down to the sixth of nine parts of the check. So uh, part number six is, it, it, it actually goes from left to right. It's, it, it's located right below the two line where you say the name of the person or individual you want to give the check to, and they can extend as far right uh, below the numeric amount. This is known as the written amount of the check. This is where we take the dollar amounts that we just wrote in numbers and we write it out in words only. Again, we're going to write out the amount in words with an and symbol or we write out AND or a plus symbol separating the dollars from the cents. So for instance, if I had a check that was for $20.50, I would write 20 and 50 over 100 is a fraction and then put a line after it. So I'm not writing a complete sentence. It doesn't begin with I. You're literally just translating the numbers into words. So $20.50 would be 20 and 50 over 100. A couple of things. Students have said, why don't you write out the word dollars? Um, just about every check I've seen in the United States automatically has the word dollars printed somewhere on the check, if not this line. So you could write it, but it'd be redundant. It's not necessary. And less is better as far as quickly getting out of the line that you're checking out in. And then the change amount is written as a fraction because we want to make sure that the change amount is not confused as another dollar. So we put it over 100 so that divides by 100 and automatically makes those numbers less than a dollar, so in pennies. So really important, you just write it out just in words, how many dollars, and then put and, and then how many cents, and cents are recorded over 100. Okay, so we want to start writing this as far left as we can on the check, and if there's any space on that line to the right, you just can put a squiggle through it, or you can put a line all the way over to the right, that's to prevent a perpetrator, someone trying to commit check fraud from adding additional words to make the check more valuable. All right, part seven is in the bottom left-hand corner. Uh, this can vary on checks as to what the label is to the left of this line. Sometimes it says for, sometimes it says memo. This is a completely optional part of the check. Uh, I mean, optional real world. In, in our personal finance classes here at the high school, we want you to fill in the memos so that 
you can demonstrate to us that you know that's the memo and give us an example of what kind of memo would be left. But real world is completely optional. And it's just where you would define the purpose of the check. And I um, have had students say, well, why would you ever need to put, tell them uh, the purpose of a check? Don't they just want their money? Well, a couple of things. One, every check that you write will eventually come back to your bank for repayment to the person that cashed the check. So your bank will eventually get your check, no matter who you gave it to anywhere in the United States, it'll come back to your bank. They will scan that check and then update your online bill pay account and then uh, make that check visible for you to download and review. So sometimes we write checks to the same organization, but for different purposes. I'll give you an example. Many of your parents uh, will write checks to WGHS or Webster Groves High School for a variety of reasons. Maybe it's to pay for a field trip. Uh, maybe it is to pay for dance tickets or football tickets. And your parents, at the end of the month, as they're looking at their budget and looking to see how they spent their money, they may wonder, why did I write this check to Webster Groves High School on September 7th for $25? I, I just simply can't remember. Um, and so they begin racking their brains, trying to figure out why did they write it. The check's not going to tell them anything because all it says is Webster Groves High School and the dollar amount and the date. So what the memo section can do is be a place for the writer of the check when the check comes back to the bank and is scanned to look at the check and see the reason they wrote it. So in the memo section in the bottom left, it may say dance tickets or maybe it says football tickets and your parents can just go, oh, great. I know why we wrote that check. Uh, now I know what it's for. Okay, so the memo section completely optional, but it can be valuable down the road if you're trying to figure out why a check was written in the first place. All right, we're almost finished here. So now we're down to part A. This is the signature line, bottom right-hand corner. It's for exactly what you think it's for. It's where the writer of the check, presumably you if you're writing the check, uh, would sign your name. Uh, the signature generally is in some kind of script form, cursive maybe, doesn't have to be terribly legible as long as your signature is consistent time after time after time and importantly as long as it matches what's on your driver's license. So if you were to uh, state that you didn't write the check and it was a stolen check uh, and your signature changes like the weather, it may be hard for you to demonstrate um, beyond doubt that you know, you didn't write the check. So again, you want to develop at this point in your life a consistent signature that you can use that matches the one that's on your driver's license. Sign your checks with those, and that will determine whether or not it was a valid check written by the account holder or if maybe this is a stolen check. So in the bottom right-hand corner, you just sign your name. It's up to you if you use a you know, first name, middle initial, last name, or if it's just a first initial, last name. It just needs to be something consistent that looks like everything else you've done before. All right, this is the last part of the check, and the good news is you don't have to do a single thing. What we're talking about are the numbers that are on the very bottom of the check. Uh, those numbers are not random. They are, for the most part, the same numbers that are on every one of your checks, with the exception of one set of numbers. Uh, and what these numbers do is allow a bank to scan the check and find out information about the origin of the check. Now, this can vary from bank to bank and check to check, depending on the style and how banks do things. But generally, in the bottom left-hand corner of the check uh, is the routing number. Uh, the routing number is usually enclosed in what looks like little rectangles and maybe a couple of squares. Uh, that denotes 
that that is the routing number. So when the check is scanned, those little squares get picked up by a computer system and pulled as the routing number and not the check number or the account, uh, the account number. The routing number uniquely identifies your bank branch in the United States. So while you may be a commerce bank customer or a U.S. bank customer, there is only one of those bank buildings that is considered your home branch where all of your paperwork gets sent to and is processed to. So even if you move from St. Louis to Philadelphia or to New York City and you keep your commerce bank accounts, all of that paperwork is going to come back to your St. Louis branch uh, unless you choose to update that. Doesn't mean you can't use the banks in the other cities. It just means this is the one bank that's responsible for your paperwork. So every single unique commerce bank building is going to have a different routing number. So the routing number for the commerce bank in Webster Groves is going to be a different routing number than the commerce bank in Kirkwood. And that's to uh, uniquely identify them. Uh, generally, the numbers to the right that are between quote marks uh, indicate that that is your account number at that particular bank branch. So now that we have found your physical bank branch, the building itself, which account number inside that one bank belongs to you and has all of your information, including all of your debits, all of your credits, and all of your transactions. So the account number is not really unique in the world. Different banks could use the same account numbers, but what separates your account number and ties it to your bank is going to be that routing number. So your account number is unique to you uh, at that bank branch. And then generally over on the far right of the check uh, is going to be just a repeat of the check number. That should match the check number that's printed in the upper right-hand corner. And I've had students say, why would they put that on the check twice? And that's because, like I said at the beginning, the check numbers along the bottom are generally scanned by banks, and it reads all the numbers from left to right off the bottom of the check. So it is for computer purposes. So again, those are uh, numbers along the bottom from left to right, left uh, uh, routing number, then the account number, then the check number on the right. Okay, very last point we want to make, and then we'll wrap up this podcast on introduction to checking, and that is what do you do if you make a mistake on a check? We haven't talked about this yet. But what do you use to write a check? Well, you know, in high school, you can use a pencil and pen interchangeably with no consequences. But with all legal documents, including checks, we write them in ink. Okay, so what color ink? Well, what if your favorite color is purple or orange or red? The color of the ink actually does matter as well. This needs to be black or blue ink. And the reason why the color needs to be black or blue is so that it can be copied. You're probably thinking, well, orange and red can be copied, right? Well, many banks are still using black and white scanners or black and white copy machines. And if you were to copy a red or an orange or a yellow uh, color, they don't copy well. They come up as extremely light grays or they may not even transfer well at all. So having a dark blue or a black ink uh, ensures that when those checks get copied or scanned, that the colors transfer and are very easy and legible, easy to read. Okay, so we're using dark or uh, dark ink in general. Um, always write in pen, never pencil or crayon, never crayons, never colored pencils. Hopefully that's a joke, but just don't use anything other than ink. Now in class, we're gonna encourage you to use pencils uh, so that if you make a mistake, you can easily correct it here in this learning phase. But outside in the real world, as we call it, you're gonna to wanna to make sure that you use ink. Okay, what do you do uh, if you make a mistake? Well, you've got a couple of options. There's an okay option and there's a much better option. Um, 
you can write void on the check, capital V, capital O, capital I, capital D, void, right across the check. Um, and so that means that if a bank were to be given that check by someone and they see the word void on it, that check has literally no value. They cannot use it in any way. So you also don't want to accidentally write void on a check or you'll make the check worthless as well. Um, so you can write void on a check and then just kind of put it in a safe or in a filing cabinet at home. That to me is the least safe option because it still does not protect your account number and routing numbers and all that. They can Someone that's going to try to commit check fraud still has your check and they can reproduce it on a home computer. Uh, a slightly better option would be to get a confetti shredder and then just completely shred the check in just unrecognizable little pieces. Uh, and then even the best option, which is more doable in the fall and the winter seasons when we maybe have fires going, and that is just to completely incinerate or burn the check. Um, again, that may seem a little bit impractical for some of you that don't have a fireplace or don't want to you know, start a fire, but um, the best option is just to destroy the check however you want to do that. So maybe the shredder is better for some. Okay, so that's it. So what did we talk about here today uh, in summary? So we talked about uh, the difference between a credit versus a debit. We talked about why here even in 2019, 2020, it is still uh, important to have a checking account. Maybe they should rename it from checking to something else. Um, so we're not just thinking about old-fashioned checks. But we talked about that it's still important today to have them. Then we went through the parts of a check from one side to the other, top down, and then we talked about why it is um, important to destroy checks and uh, how you need to do that. If you have any questions whatsoever, please come by and see me again. My name is Mr. Young. I teach at Webster Groves High School in room 248A, or you can email me at young.mark at wgcloud.org. Thanks very much for joining us today. I hope we were a big help as you get through our personal finance class banking unit.